Hey everybody, this is Nick Padiak. You're listening to I'll Be Damned. Today on the show, the guests are Mr. and Mrs. Walter. Their names are Wayne and Nancy, but I do not call them that. Have never called them that and will never call them that again. They are they are just Mr. and Mrs. Walter. They are the parents of one of my friends from high school and they are raconteurs. They are wonderful storytellers. I uh, went to their home, my wife and I did, went to their home in Kingston, Illinois and sat down with the two of them and they regaled us with their stories, and you'll also hear their dog in the background a little bit, too. Uh, as always, you can contact me at my website, nicholaspadiak.com. I'm also on Twitter, at npadiak. Thank you to Alex Johnson for the I'll Be Damned cover art, and Matt Pickett for the theme song. And here it is. Enjoy my conversation with Mr. and Mrs. Walter. <laughs> Southwest of Cleveland, my hometown was a little town called Berea, and uh, that was the largest sandstone quarry in the world at one time. It was mined out of there, and then she was Columbia Station, which was the next town over. So, kind of like from here to Sycamore. Yeah. yeah. Wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was. There was a gas station there. Yeah. That was <laughs> <laughs> like Kingston. Yeah. yeah. But your graduating class was what? Sixty something. Sixty something. Mine was over three hundred. Oh so really? It, it oh was, wow. It was quite a difference there. Yeah. But, but they were noted for the most greenhouses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they did have the most greenhouses. In well, that was a nice little town. We ended up moving there after we got married, and. Uh, it uh, it was a, a lot like this. In fact, at the beginning of uh, or about the middle of fall, they'd have a meeting at the town hall, which wasn't very big, but everybody would show up. And if you owned what was it, two acres or more, you were sworn in for the hunting season as deputy sheriffs. Oh. And that was to keep the people from Cleveland from coming in and shooting everything in sight mm -hmm. but um, I mean it, it was it was a nice community I can't up at the end of the street we had a, a general store and you go in and buy a saddle or a pair of socks or have lunch I mean you know <laughs> that's the way it was it was yeah. so small but it was uh, it was good it was nice we, we kind of hated to leave there yeah but uh, we go back now, and I, I wouldn't want to live there anymore. Has it changed considerably? Well, everything has changed. My hometown, uh, they used to have the like the town square, and they had the metal wrought iron benches all the way around, and they had the band shell, and uh, they had a cannon, World War, or a Civil War cannon. They had the uh, unknown uh, soldier, you know, statue. Had a drinking fountain, and it was it was pizza just uh, a pizza place, Pizza King. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah they had a, a, a pizza parlor they called Pizza King, and also in that town they had a uh, Methodist college. It was Baldwin Wallace College, and where these these um, uh, 
where they mined the, uh, the sandstone, uh, they had a flood, and it flooded these two big pits. And rather than try to drain them, they named them Baldwin Lake and Wallace Lake after the college. And it became a, a huge park. In fact, they had the uh, concrete, um, uh, they weren't bridges, they were like, uh, you could drive your car through there and the water was flowing through there, but he actually, it was part of the road. Huh. And I tried to, oh, and then, then the one lake, they had it uh, dredged down, they dumped sand in there and it was a swimming, you could go swimming in there and it's, uh, and, and what flooded it was what they called the Rocky River. And this river ran up, well, it would be northeast of that, I guess, to a, a place they call Hinkley Lake. And this was a big, huge reservoir. And, you know, when the swallows come back to Capistrano, well, the, uh, what do they call buzzards? those? The buzzards came back to Hinkley Lake. <laughs> and they would have, really, seriously, they had a, a big uh, pancake breakfast there, and they, they had maple syrup, you know, from the trees and whatever, but we used to go out to Hinkley Lake. In fact, when we got married, I had a canoe, and we went out there one Sunday, I guess it was, and we were out in the middle of the lake, and the wind started picking up and started blowing us towards the dam. And she wasn't very good at paddling, so <laughs> I told her just to sit on the bottom of the canoe. And they had a, a cable about that big around, that big around stretched across the, the uh, where the dam was. So at least you had something to grab onto rather than... <laughs> you know, over, you know, but we we did, we made it in all right. Oh, but uh, it was a big recreation uh, area. It was beautiful there. Hmm. But in the winter time in high school, uh, you know, we didn't have the the things that kids have got nowadays. So we'd go down to uh, Wallace Lake, and we'd take snow shovels, and in the fall you go in and cut cattails. You know what a cattail is? Mm -hmm. Well, we we'd cut them and set them in somebody's barn or garage and let them dry out. Then we go down with the snow shovels and we shovel the snow off the, the ice. And we play hockey down there and whatever. And you take these um, these cattails and put them in a can, fill it with kerosene, and they'd soak up the kerosene. Then you stick them in the snow banks, light them, and that was your lights. Oh, so you genius. can see, oh yeah, it was great. <laughs> and then occasionally uh, we'd get together and We'd skate all the way up to Hinkley Lake. We'd follow the river up there. Well, the river wasn't real deep, but you know, like any water that that's running, you got to be careful because you get the soft spots, and inevitably somebody'd go through, oh. and you'd have to stop. We'd build a big bonfire and take their clothes and. And warm them up and dry them out. They put them back on, and away we would go. <laughs> well, how do you get somebody out? Well, I guess if it wasn't that deep, it's not like they're going under. And, Everybody, and you know what an ice pick is? Yeah. Everybody carried ice picks, mm -hmm. and you put a piece of wood over the the pick, and then at the end of the ice pick, you drill a hole and put an, an, an eye hook in there, and you'd run a, a piece of rope or something up your sleeve, across, and back down the other. You'd 
tuck one of these in each of your sleeves. Mm -hmm. So if something happened, you just pull the cover off the ice pick and you just claw your way oh. out of the ice. And of course, there were so many people there, there was always somebody to help get you out. Yeah. Then the girls would take the cars, they'd go up to Hinkley Lake and they'd build a big bonfire. And we'd get up there and they'd have hot dogs and, and the s'mores and you name it. <laughs> And then when we were through up there, we pile in the cars and we drive back home. <laughs> but that was that was usually on a on a weekend, you know. You'd spend the better part of a day doing that. Yeah. But that's that's the enjoyment that we used to get. You know, you just didn't have all the other amenities that yeah. kids have today. You know, you don't have the iPhones and yeah. all that fancy stuff. Yeah. Now you you did did you know each other in high school? Uh -uh. Okay. Well, so uh, how did you meet? Well, we met at a Ford dealership that was called Williams Ford, and Henry Ford, it was one of his friends, and Henry Ford, you know, was out of Michigan, but this was um, uh, Williams Ford, and what was his first name, Williams? Hank? Boy, I can't remember. I have oh. to think about it. Yeah, well, anyway. But anyway, my mom and dad worked there, and my dad was a mechanic. My mother worked in the title department, and titles, it's all done electronically today. Well, at that time, it was done with a typewriter. All the titles were made out. So they met there, and they fired my dad, wasn't it? Because they didn't like two people dating, working for their little company. So anyway, they eventually, they got married, and then um, I was kind of in between. I had requested uh, active duty in the Marine Corps and I was waiting to get shipped to Vietnam. I mean I had no place to go. There was nothing. I left home when I was 12 years old, lived with my grandmother the whole time and I had nothing to look forward to. So all the training I had I figured I might as well put it to good use. You know the government spent all that money on me and so I went to my CO and I asked him for a uh, request for active duty. So I wrote the letter I was supposed to, gave it to him, and in the meantime, I had to support myself. So um, I was putting myself through college, working for Shell Oil, and then somebody from this dealership asked me if I wanted to come and work there part-time. Well, it went from there to Ford Motor, who actually made me a troubleshooter for a new car troubleshooter. And, uh, I walked into the dealership one day and she was being trained in the parts department or something and in the minute, wasn't it the parts department? I just took over a girl for a lunch hour and took over her Well, I, I took one look at her and, and I don't know what it was, but something told me that's the girl I'm going to marry. Seriously, I, I, you may laugh, but that was it. We went out on our first date and what did I tell you? He's going to marry me. And you didn't run away screaming? <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. And shortly after that, they fired me because I was dating Because you were dating her? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what about your active duty request? I went back to my, my uh, CO and I asked him, I said, is there any way I can retract that, that letter that I, I wrote? He looked at me and kind of a stupid look of grin on his face and he opens his drawer and he hands me the envelope. He never mailed it in. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that was it. So I got off the hook there. Wow. And the, 
And then, then I, I got a deferment because we got married. Then I got another deferment after we had our, our first one. And then that's the time we got transferred up here. And I got all kinds of requests for, for change of command ceremonies and all kinds of stuff. And I'd gotten rid of my dress blues. I never even kept those. I don't know what I did with them, but uh, I didn't have any of that stuff. I, I think I gave it away to somebody, but I don't remember. But uh, then all of a sudden it just it stopped. And we never found out until years later that uh, the records had been destroyed in a fire. Mm -hmm. You know, that uh, they never had a chance to transcribe them onto a tape or whatever they were going to do with them. Mm -hmm. So, that was it. And what were you, you were saying earlier about the, the, the missile crisis you had? Oh, I, I had, I was called up for the, the missile crisis. That's when uh, they were putting the uh, nuclear missiles in Cuba. Mm -hmm. And we had the blockade and everything. Well, they couldn't let the missiles that were installed in Cuba sit there. They were going to stop any more from coming in. So there were, I can't remember if there were three or four of us, were activated. And I was a platoon leader when I, when I first joined the Marine Corps. To be activated, I would have been a company commander. So that would have been from about a hundred men to close to close to a thousand and uh, we went to Marine Corps headquarters in Akron and he put us in a room with a with an armed guard at the door I couldn't uh, and I was in college actually at the time and I couldn't I couldn't talk to anybody nobody could talk to me uh, uh, we sat there studying maps and we were uh, briefed on different things, and I think the thing that scared me the most is they said, well, you go in, and we were going to, I was like a paramarine at the time. I, I got into everything I possibly could in the Marine Corps. I was a sniper, uh, the, the, the whole ball of wax. And they, when they drop us in, they said, well, you can expect 80% casualties in your unit. So I had 100 guys. I knew for sure I'd be one of them. It, it's just inevitable. I mean, it's the way it was gonna gonna go down. It always does. So, <laughs> I was kind of scared to death at the time, but still, you know, you had a job to do, and you were gonna do it. And then when Kennedy stopped the ships, you know, Khrushchev got wet feet or whatever, and they withdrew the ships, and they they, they said they dismantled the, the uh, missiles. They, uh, after about six hours, they released us and told us to go back home. Didn't work on Adidas. So it was close. That was the closest uh, I ever came. And were you two together at that time? Mm -mm. No, that was before mm -mm. you met? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's terrifying. <laughs> well, she'd probably have been better off. Strange <laughs> <laughs> how it worked out, you know. You when you're least expecting it, you know, and we just met each other and dated and everything just went so smoothly. Both of us had dated, we kind of knew what we were looking for one day and it just it just fell into place yeah. and we had our first date on Valentine's Day and 
engaged in March and married in August. Wow. <laughs> so you weren't kidding. You weren't messing around. <laughs> well, I, I told her. I, I knew it. I just yeah. knew it. We both had jobs, and you yeah. know, we could support ourselves. Yeah. So. In wow. fact, it got to the point where I would pick her up for, for work in the morning. I'd drive out to her house, pick her up, and take her into work, and then turn around and bring her home. And we'd stop and get something to eat or whatever. And then she'd sack out on the sofa, and I sacked out on the floor underneath, and pretty soon it's her dad kicking me. Time to get <laughs> up and go home. Shift. <laughs> that would be, what time, three, four in the morning? Yeah. So I'd go home and shower and shave and get dressed to run, start the whole thing all over again <laughs> the next day. But it, it's, it's been great. I, I'll tell you, I'd I do it a million times over again. It's just... Uh, the years went fast. So you've, it'll be fifty-three years. Too fast. Years. Yeah. yeah. Fifty-three. Mm -hmm. Wow. Man. And you had your first kid, Wayne, right? You had your first kid pretty quickly, right? Um, a year and a half after we were married. Okay. Yeah. And that was when you were still in in Ohio. Ohio. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, so you went from Ohio to where next? Hoffman States. To Hoffman States. Mm -hmm. Okay. We had, we we had, had Donna there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we went to New Jersey. Expecting the third. And she swore up and down we weren't going to have him in New Jersey. <laughs> so we had to figure out some way. So actually, I went out and I got bids from three movers to move us back to the Midwest. I didn't know where. I said uh, Ohio, Illinois, or, or Michigan. And uh, we got the three bids. And then one day my boss called and he says, how would you like to go back to the Midwest? And I said, uh, what do you mean the Midwest? He said, well, we're going to open a, a facility in, in uh, the Chicago area. And he says, you're the only one in the company that's got any experience of moving facilities from one to another. Mm -hmm. And he says, we have to maintain the one while we're moving into the new one. And he says, do you think you can handle it? I said, I've done it before. Yeah, but he said, this is an awfully big facility. And I said, well, it doesn't matter how big it is as long as you got the people to do it. So he says, well, we're not ready yet. He says, we're trying to find a, a location to put the building. And he says, we ran soil samples. And he said, what we thought we were going to be able to do, we can't do because the soil won't support the size building that we're going to build. So he says, we're looking for some more. And he says, in the meantime, he says, we're going to shut your facility down and we're going to build another one in New Jersey. So I said, well, what do you want me to do in the meantime? He says, go on vacation. He said, vacation's on me. Oh, wow. And, yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, what, what should I do? And he said, well, I'll tell you what. He says, take your wife and your kids. He says, go down to the Jersey Shore. He says, uh, take, take week trips or day trips or whatever. He says, just call me. Uh, what, once a week or once every two weeks? I forget what it was. Very often. Wow. <laughs> so I did, and I kept asking them when, because I, I was afraid that they were going to back out of it. Yeah. And I thought, well, if, if they'll move us, I won't have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So finally I got a commitment out of him. He says, yeah, he says, go ahead and go back to Illinois and look for a house. So I looked all the way from well, I can't remember. It was on the south side of, of southwest side of Chicago, all the way to Park Forest South. 
and I had a stack of business cards from realtors that thick. <laughs> we could not find anything to move into. And uh, we lived in Hoffman Estates, and that was built by Hoffman Rossner, who I knew the quality of their homes and all, and they were building in Bolingbroke. I went in there and phew, like talking to the wall. They had nothing ready, they, they couldn't make a commitment, nothing. So I finally brought Ants up and she's pregnant and I rented a car and the only car I could get to rent was a little bitty compact. Poor thing sitting in there, it was like riding on a two by four. <laughs> and we looked for about a week, didn't we? You dropped the kids off at your mom and dad's. Mm -hmm. We couldn't find anything. So the last, the second to the last day that we were going to be here before she went back to Ohio to be with the kids, this one realtor called us from Palos Heights and she says, I, I just got two houses, I just went on the market. And she said, they're both on the same street. So we drove down the street and it was beautiful. It was tree-lined and, you know, just all kinds of vegetation. It was really, and it was well-kept. Pulled in the first driveway and shook her head, no, she didn't want it. Didn't even get out of the car? No. <laughs> you just get that feeling. Yeah. Well, we pulled into the second one and she goes like this. We never got out of the car. <laughs> so we, we actually went in and looked at the house and it had the, 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 the natural wood beams in the living room and uh, they had a paneling in the family room. Uh, they called it Pecky Cypress. This is out of Florida or Georgia and it's it's wood that's uh, cut out of swamps hmm. and it's full of holes. It's oh. just, it, and it, 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 this was three quarter inches thick and it was tongue and groove and when we moved and sold the house, that stuff was going for, what was it, $300 a square foot? Oh. Or more than that, maybe. I, I don't remember exactly, but I know it was sky high. Oh. And we you couldn't were, afford it. We were going to finish off part of our family room and make it next to bedroom for one of the older children. And all we needed was one wall. We couldn't even afford one wall. It was so expensive. We, we just got the so fake. Yeah. <laughs> this, this big was Paling. like three, four hundred dollars. Oh, wow. and, and it wasn't as thick and it didn't have tongue and groove. Mm -hmm. And then the woman we sold it to, we heard she turned around and painted it. And I told her, I said, lady, I'll come in and tear it. I'll take all the paneling down. I'll put up whatever you want if we can save the, 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 the paneling. Yeah. She knew it all. And Huh. Did what she wanted. That was that was a crime. That was a dirty crime then, to paint that stuff. So you were pregnant with your third kid when you were moving in, and then how many kids did you have in that house? Twenty. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like it probably. <laughs> well, we we moved in August, right before school started. Mm -hmm. Got the two older ones, and then November second, we had the third. Yeah. So. We had all of our children go through school district, yeah. so all of the, our baby that we lost, of course, he was only three and a half months old, but yeah. he got through junior high. Right. So they all went and stayed in the same school. We were fortunate for 28 years. We didn't get transferred, yeah. so that worked out yeah. really well. And, uh, wow. and when, they, when they graduated, there was a big announcement, made a big thing about it, that we held the record 
of the most children, most children to school to all right. continuously for almost 30 years. <laughs> yeah, we knew everybody there. Everybody knew us. Yeah, I would imagine. Kids were good. I mean, we we had we had a good family. Yeah, they were all good kids. But like everything else, they started shutting schools down because there's you know low enrollment and, mm -hmm. and some of the real elite places that we would have liked to have bought we couldn't afford. Mm -hmm. And about the time we moved, these places are kind of deteriorating. You know, mm -hmm. the, the homes aren't hadn't been maintained. And, yeah. But other than that, uh, even Matt played football. And I know you two don't remember it, but do you remember when? You're hearing about uh, Ronald Reagan mm -hmm. when he got shot mm -hmm. as president. Yeah. John Hinckley shot him? Is that right? No. No? I'm making that up. Well, I All can't. Right. <laughs> they shot him? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Okay. Was it? Sounds familiar. Okay. But this, the Secret Service agent that took the bullet, the second one for Reagan, mm -hmm. ended up being Matt's football coach. Really? Yeah, in Orland Park. Wow. And... Uh, he was the police chief of Orland and for a number of years, and then he coached. Uh, uh, it was like a church league, I guess. About the only way to explain it, uh, they weren't uh, they weren't uh, part of the school districts or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but they had uniforms and helmets and the, the whole ball. Hmm. Now, speaking of football, I know that you you played football, right? In, in high school? Did you keep playing? Did you play in college? I played uh, some in college. And you went to Kent State? Went to Kent State University, okay. yeah. In fact, um, we went back for our reunion and the guy that was co-captain, he lost his right hand, wasn't it? Left hand. Left hand something like this, lost in a table saw accident. Oh, all his, four of those fingers? Yeah, yeah it, it, it was, it's, it's terrible. He was a, a real decent guy. But yeah. He was co-captain with you? You were the mm -hmm. other captain? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I don't know, you probably don't remember Lou Garosa. Mm -mm. Like you used to call him Lou the Toe. He, were, he was with uh, the Cleveland Browns. And uh, I, I Losing the other one, uh, he's, he's Polish. He was with uh, uh, Minnesota, the Vikings. Mm. They were best friends, and they talked me into trying out for the Cleveland Browns. When was this? That was right after high school, yeah. right out of high school. And they had the tryouts, or they had the summer camp at a place they called Hiram College, and uh, La Groza set it up for me to, to go try out as a free agent. So one morning I drove to Hiram College and got out of the car and I'm walking up and down the fence and everything's locked up. So finally some guy come walking up to me and he says, hey, he says, you Wayne Walter? And I said, yes. He says, well, Mr. Groza told me to look out for you. He says, I'm a trainer. He says, I got your uniform and everything all laid out for you. So he let me in and we went into the locker room and I got dressed. They supplied everything, shoes, socks, the whole ball of wax. It was really something. So I walked out and out of the field and I'm, he says, you just go out and he says, just kind of warm up. He says, loosen up a little bit. He says, just do what the other guys are doing. 
So they're all laughing, joking around and everything. I'm looking at some of these guys. I'm thinking, man, you gotta be nuts to be out here. <laughs> so I walked around a little bit and I keep looking at these guys and even the backs and everything, they're, they're huge. So I got cold feet. I turned around, went back in the locker room, <laughs> took everything off, put my street clothes on, and snuck out and got my car and I left. <laughs> so then after I went in the, uh, the service, I, I was actually in the Army to begin with. Mm. It was uh, like, an, uh, like the OCS, and it was a volunteer group. And there were uh, 1,400 of us that were in this particular group. And after one year, uh, everybody washed out but 280 of us. Wow. We were the only ones that were left. But they had an inner, uh, I forget what they called it, uh, it was a, a, a football team. And we played um, oh, different colleges. Uh, and uh, the, we played the Navy Tars, which was all pro players that were drafted. Now this is during the Vietnam era, so these guys, so the ones that I saw out on the field, I'm out there playing against them. The ones they, you ran away from? Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't play me right away. I was one of the smaller ones. So they finally put me, and it was right, it was a, a day, I think it was a day after a hurricane, and there was this much water on the field. Oh, and the center would get down there to the center of the ball, and the ball's bobbing around in the water. I mean, it just, it was. So the first couple of plays, this guy that I was, a, a, I was an offensive, offensive tackle, and this guy was, a, of course, a defensive tackle. And the ball was snapped, and I, I, you always try to watch it out of the corner of your eye. And all of a sudden, here comes a forearm up, caught me right in the throat. And first thing you do is you put your head down. And that sucker followed through with the other arm on the back of my neck. I thought he broke my neck. Well, I managed to keep my head out of the water because I figured I'd drown him. You know. <laughs> so got back up to the line again, and same thing. He nailed me again. I thought, this is ridiculous. So about the third time, I figured, well, I'm going for broke. And the ball was snapped, and I come up, and I caught him in the throat with my fist and I followed through with my elbow and caught him in the face and his nose just kind of distorted, twisted oh. and blood comes shooting out all over the place and nobody saw it. Nobody saw it happen. So he goes to the, the ref and he's complaining, see what he did to me, see what he did. He's crying like a baby. <laughs> Here I was afraid of these guys <laughs> yeah. and I got him crying. So the ref says to me, he says, what'd you do to that guy? I said, nothing. I, said, I just blocked <laughs> Who, him. me? Yeah. <laughs> so his coach took him out, and they stuck another guy in there. This guy was much better than the first guy because yeah. he just beat the living hell out of oh. me. Then. I, I was, so they finally took me out, and that was the end of it there. But uh, here I was so afraid. and. This, you get thrown into it anyway, whether you yeah, want to and, or not. Oh, and then, then the, the, what was really something, we played in late afternoon, I guess around 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and we were invited to their mess hall. Now, this is the Navy. Yeah. This is in Norfolk, Virginia. 
So we went into the mess hall and they give you these tin trays and you go down the and they got guys serving behind this well I think the first thing I got was a couple of fried eggs slapped on there and then maybe some mashed potatoes slapped on there and then I think I don't know it could have been jello I don't know what it was on top of that and then I had ice cream on top of the whole thing, oh. and I had that much food. It's piled up. I oh, I looked at that stuff, and it just, I got sick just looking oh. at it. I thought, oh, my gosh. And then they got these posts that hold up the, the, uh, the roof, and they got these great big, huge cans hanging from these, these posts full of milk. Or if you wanted uh, orange juice or something else, but you could go up there and just suck on that sucker, you know, until you <laughs> drain it. But there must have been a hundred gallons of, of milk in this container, but yeah. went over and said, I couldn't, there's no way. And the unit I was with, you went through the mess line and you moved along because if you didn't, they put a lot on and you had to clean your tray before you got up and there were 10 men to a, 10 men to a, tra uh, a table everyone on there and there was usually a senior officer there and he wouldn't let you get up until everybody's tray was clean mm -hmm. and I think what it was is they didn't want to clean them uh. so but I looked at that tray oh my god there's no way there's no way I could even and I didn't I couldn't put a dent in it nobody else could either um, we weren't we used to eating that way yeah. you know but that was an experience too <laughs> I'll never forget that and then, you know what a septic tank is? Mm -hmm. Well, they had septic systems there, and we had it on our base, and they were covered with, with uh, uh, railroad ties. And I don't know whether they bolted them together or whatever, but when the water came up, these things lifted up and they floated away. Oh. So you could be walking across the field and all of a sudden you disappear and you're down in the septic system. <laughs> I, I was lucky. I never, I, I was able to follow the road. But I'd see guys walking across there and then just... Oh, and you'd, you know, and, and they'd have to go to the, uh, um, uh, the medics and they pumped them full of all kinds of antibiotics and yeah. stuff like that because... Most of the guys would swallow, you know, oh. when you, you go in. It stink. Oh, that was terrible. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we, we had some. One night, I lived in, in, there were four barracks that were on the opposite side of the parade ground. And these four barracks were by themselves. And the other barracks were on the other side, and it was just row after row after row after row. And uh, the one I was assigned to, they used to call it the country club. And we got away with murder over there. <laughs> well, one night uh, we had one guy in one of the barracks that his dad was a locksmith. So he could pick locks. So we'd inevitably sneak over to the mess hall at night and they, they locked it up with padlocks. Yeah. So he'd pick the lock, we'd go in and we'd come back. And they had ice cream and cardboard containers and these things were, these little containers were about an inch square full of ice cream. Mm. And I think there were 20 of them in a, in a carton. But we'd, we'd get ice cream to take back. Um, the ceiling in our barracks, we had saltine crackers. We had uh, 
uh, graham crackers. Uh, if it was cool enough, we'd put uh, hams up there. And, and really, we had a regular delicatessen, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Well, this one particular night, the three of us went over to get ice cream, and we're coming back. And as we were coming across the road from the, the mess hall to where the parade ground was, there's this great big huge ditch. In fact, the ditch ran all the way around the parade ground. And uh, all of a sudden, two headlights come in. And we dove into this ditch, and it was half full of water. Oh, I mean, it was, it was just runoff, you know, but yeah. still we were soaked. The, uh, the uh, car pulls up, and who is it? The commanding officer of the base. He gets out, and he says, what are you guys doing? He said, well, we were just getting something to eat, sir. And he says, getting something to eat? He said, the mess hall's closed. And one guy says, well, not really, sir. <laughs> he says, what do you got? We said, well, we just got ice cream. He said, what flavor did you get? Well, we didn't know. They had, you know, they had chocolate and they had vanilla and strawberry, I think. So we're looking to see what kind we got. And he turns around and he says, I'll see you. He said, I'll see you. I'll see you men in my office first thing in the morning. Gets back in his car and he takes off. So we run across the, the parade ground and they got birds down there. They, we, we call them Ouija birds. And I don't know what they eat in the parade ground, but they're all over in there. And they get like a Ouija, Ouija, Ouija as you run across and they fly up, you know, and then they fly right back down. And boy, they make a, a noise. So we stirred up a bunch of them, but we got back and Next morning, we reported to the, the commandant, and he uh, he says, uh, "Did you get a knife? Did you get enough, uh, enough ice cream?" He says for the country club, and we said, "Yes, sir, we did." <laughs> and he said, "Did you enjoy it?" And we said, "Yes." He said, "How about the rest of them? They enjoy it?" And they said, "Yes, sir, <laughs> they did." He says, "Good," because he says you all got a. I think he said a hundred demerits. And a hundred demerits is you go out with a full field pack, you carry your rifle at port arms, you go ten paces, two right faces, ten paces, two right faces. <coughs> For every demerit, it's an hour. So that would have been a oh. hundred hours that we'd have to be out there on our own, our free time. Yeah. And man life, I thought to myself, I'll never make it through that. So... He dismissed us, and we got to the door, and he says, by the way, he says, your demerits have been suspended. And he says, uh, be more careful next time. Don't get caught. <laughs> Man, we walked out of there, and we thought, we got it made. You know, <laughs> yeah. This guy's in love with us. So then we had a dress parade, which we, we would have quite frequently. And usually somebody from Washington would come in, uh, Inspector General or something, and they'd We'd have to get dressed up and spit shine shoes and everything else. Well, my company commander, I'll never forget him as long as I live. His name was Smith. <coughs> Little bitty short squirt. And he just, uh, and I was one of the bigger ones in the, in the unit in the company. And he'd always holler or say something to me. Well, this particular day, and I spent most of the night underneath the covers with a flashlight spit shining my my shoes and I had a, 
uh, oh, I think I had more sh polish on my shoes than came in a can of kiwi. <laughs> and he walks up and he stood up on my shoes and I could almost hear the, 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 the um, polish cracking. <laughs> And I looked down, and man, he went after me. What are you looking at? What do you think you're looking at? And I saw all, and, and then he, it was all sandy out there, and then he's, he's twisting his, his feet and just ruined my shoes. And they were a brand new pair of shoes. That's all I could take. I hauled off and cocked him and knocked him flat on his butt, and he went down, and my platoon leader come running over and he says, you know what striking an officer means? And I, I says, yes sir. And here I'm in the middle of a, the parade ground and the, um, I can't remember the, what do they call it, the, uh, the, 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 the stand where all the dignitaries stand, everybody's watching it. And I couldn't hide it. Yeah. I just bowled him over. <laughs> So I got escorted off the field, and I had to go to the commandant's office. And I stood there and stood there and stood there, and they had the parade and everything else. And finally he comes walking in, and he asked me what, what it was all about. And I told him. I said, I just I spent half the night spit shining my shoes, and I said, it's bad enough to have to walk through the grass because the grass will actually cut into the, into the uh, polish. And he looked down and he says, boy, he did a number on those, didn't he? I said, yes, sir. He says, well, you did a number on him, too, didn't you? And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> he says, you're dismissed. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a court-martial offense, striking yeah. an officer. And they could have locked me up for a long time. And between I, that and the ice cream, you, uh, you got away with quite a bit. I you? think the ice cream probably did the favor. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> And it wasn't wasn't too long after that uh, they moved me to another uh, actually another company, and it wasn't too long after that I found out that he was hauled off on a Section Eight. What is that? He went goofy. Oh. He went. That's where most of these guys, uh, the you know the the fourteen hundred that we had initially, is they went Section Eight because mm. they couldn't stand the take the pressure. Yeah. I was one of the dumb ones. <laughs> I didn't see any pressure. <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> I've heard all these. <laughs> well, when you were, uh, you had a house full of kids for a, for a while there. What, how do you even manage a house like that? That's oh, we, we locked them up. <laughs> We we rented them out to certain people in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh, our kids were good. I, I really, honestly, they they were they were all good. I think we only had really a problem with one of them, and he stole their teacher's keys to the school he, one time. We thought he did, but he said someone just here said handed the keys to him, and he. He, what am I supposed to do with him? Hold on to him. Yeah. And he got in trouble for it. He, uh, he wasn't involved in the actual. He was just an innocent bystander. Yeah. Who got, yeah. got but that's that's the really end. the only yeah. one we yeah. ever really had a that I can recall. Yeah. yeah. 
Other than that, they, you know, we we take them to church on on Sundays, and uh, people would go out of their way to come to us and remark on how good our kids behaved. And Matt was the only one. We take him to church and give him a bottle. He 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 finish the bottle and he he throw the empty bottle and <laughs> wherever it, it hit it hit. You know, he he didn't uh, didn't bother him. He just fling it. We do that when we go shopping. If I give him a bottle of juice or something to keep him occupied while I'm doing the shopping, and he get done and he just fling it. Had to go find it. He'd hide underneath the clothes racks, and I couldn't find him. I, the mannequins that had dresses on. Yeah. Oh, he liked that. <laughs> His hands going on the leg of the mannequin. He crawled through the lady's dressing room one time oh. underneath. Little boy, where's your mother? <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend that uh, she was. Uh, we helped take care of her. She uh, had uh, she was up in age from what we were, but she she was lonesome and she didn't have children, so we go shopping. She was the last one in her family, and her husband was the last one in his family so when he died she was all alone yeah so we kind of took her under our wing and she started ended up adopting her yeah. and she she we do something together to, and she was so helpful because she tried to keep an eye on him while I'm doing some of the shopping and yeah. we we get up to pay for something he's got a shoe a woman's shoe <laughs> he just took it off the table <laughs> something all the time. She's, she'd be waiting for me while I'd go in. I remember my, our parents, my mother and dad, were having their 50th anniversary and I was trying to get some new things for the kids before we went back. And so she'd sit by the mannequins and there's usually a little place, you know, stand that they're uh, on. And so she'd sit there with them. And that's when she told me about the mannequin, what he was doing. <laughs> and um, he was just mischievous like that. Just rubbing his hands up and down their legs. He's <laughs> <laughs> <It was> funny. <laughs> well, you took quite a few trips with all your with the kids, right? You would. Yeah, we did. Yeah. In fact, we were just looking at some albums that uh, we got from her mom and dad when we took them on a trip out to uh, the Dakotas mm. with us. And they had a motor home, and we had we had the camper. But yeah, we took them all over. We <laughs> we started out. We went to. Uh, I was involved in scouting with the older one, and we went to a shopping center one night, and we went to Sears, and we bought the biggest tent that they had, and sleeping bags, and I don't know what all. And we had equipment. A, yeah. And we're on our way home, and and I said something to her about sleeping on the ground or something. I'm not sleeping on the ground. So I'm not, I refuse to sleep on the ground. Need cots. I'm, I'm looking in the back, and in the station wagon, it was full of stuff. And I thought, where am I, we put cots in there, where are we going to put the kids? You know, they'll have to ride up on the roof or something. So I did a quick U-turn on Cicero Avenue, and we went back and returned everything. <laughs> so the next night, not far from where we lived, was a uh, a place where they sold campers. 
So we went in and we looked at them and we saw a pop-up in there that slept eight. And that's really what we needed. Yeah. Plus the fact that there was a stove inside and of course there wasn't a refrigerator, there was an ice chest. You had to buy five pounds of ice at a time to keep this thing cold. And I don't know, we had a couple of little plug-in heaters, electric heaters and all of that. So we, we bought this thing and the guy told us, he says, I give you five years. He says, you'll be back for a self-contained. Mm. Well, we took that thing to Florida. Uh, we went all over with that that little pop-up. And then finally we ended up in Seneca, Illinois, and they had just put down a fresh load of uh, uh, gravel, uh, the white gravel. No, 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 no. It was, well, anyway, it's dusty. And sandstone, limestone? Limestone. Mm. And our oldest one, he slept in the back of the... Well, we had a... We have a van at that time? Or was it the... No, it wasn't either. It was a, a, I mean, no, it was a van. It was a van, yeah, okay. Well, the next morning, we looked at the kids and their hair is all white. And we look at us like this. Of course, their teeth is all white. <laughs> And people going up and down this road, it just it was just billowing, you know, the, the dust. Yeah. So it started to rain or something, and we packed it in. And then we decided uh, that's it. We took the kids home, dropped them off. We went back to this camping place and told the guy, hey, we're ready. Yeah. <laughs> You're so we right. did. We, we bought a, a self-contained, air-conditioned, and it was it was pretty nice. It was yeah. like moving out of a under a bridge, you know, to the <laughs> it was it was great, but um that thing was an elephant. I mean it was it was big. It slept everybody, but it was one of these older ones and man, I think they made it out of railroad tracks. <laughs> it was huge. I mean to haul anywhere. It just the the van grunted and groaned. I think the thing was protesting when we backed up <laughs> to this thing. <laughs> But uh, we got a lot of use out of it. We went all over with that thing out west, and um, we go up to Michigan and to Mackinac, and we just wherever we wanted to go, yeah. you know, we just get something in our head that we just decided we're going to take off and go. Yeah. So we wouldn't do it every year. We do camping at some of the local campgrounds, and then, like every other year, yeah. we'd go someplace that was a longer trip and stay. That's great. We went we up to Michigan one year and we're in this <laughs> oh, campground and a couple of these great big bluebird buses, converted buses come pulling in and, you know, these things could barely make it around the corners and they got dual rear wheels and so they, they took them to the back of the campground and that's where they had what they call pull-throughs. You can drive in one side and drive all the way through. Well, mm -hmm. They backed us into a something different you know mm -hmm. so I got up the next morning to go for a walk and I saw the one bus that was like a clamshell the bus was wide open you could see the engine and everything so I walked past and I walked kind of slow and was in the back of this bus but this little gray-haired lady she's about a pint size I mean there's nothing to her and she's got a wrench almost as big as she was in her hand and these campgrounds, people are generally pretty friendly. Yeah. So she started a conversation. She says, uh, yeah, she says, I 
my husband used to do all of this and I lost my husband whatever so many years ago and she says now I'm doing it and uh, she says I try to learn everything and she had a manual back there and I don't know what she was doing with this big huge wrench <laughs> but uh, anyway she said would you like to see my my coach I said no no thanks I said the family's expecting me back for breakfast and well anytime you want to come back and take a look at it she says we're still here she says uh, and here she's traveling with another old lady that had a, the other bus <laughs> they're, they're parked in there together so we left that. That was in Frankenmuth, Michigan, I think, wasn't it? Then we, we decided to go up to uh, uh, the island. And, of course, you can't take these things over on the island, so there's a campground there. We pulled in there. Who comes pulling in but these, these two old ladies again, you know. But it's amazing on, on some of the people you meet. I mean, it's just, it's... We always figured... You know, in school they learn about these different places and across America and everything. And we thought, you know, why not just take them and let them experience it yeah. and read about it? So we tried to, you know, get this to as many places that we could. Right. We went to Colorado and I think we tried Pikes Peak, but we. Yeah, it was shut, shut down because of a storm. They had a huge storm and a lot of water. The rivers were all up and they had. Uh, uh, washouts you couldn't even get up the they'd have to plow them out before you could yeah. get up there and, and one guy told me he said uh, we had a, a group that went up there and he said while they were up there he said uh, the whole side of the, the mountain washed over the road they couldn't get out mm. he said they and in fact they didn't have campers or anything they just had their cars so they spent the time in their cars and uh, until they could get the equipment up there to clear the road. But we used to go to places like Sturgis. You've probably mm -hmm. heard of Sturgis. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, Devil's Mount... Devil's Tower. Huh? Devil's, Devil's Tower. Devil's Tower. Mm -hmm. And that's, on the, that's in Wyoming on the way up to, to uh, the, the uh, Dakotas. The Badlands. And the Badlands. And and Grand Canyon. And Sturgis has a... a a cemetery, Mount Moriah, the cemetery, that's where Wild Bill Hickok is, yeah. is buried, and a supposed uh, Indian massacre, a guy called Preacher Smith, it was him and one or two other people, and that was the massacre. The Calamity Jane is buried up there, and they got the markers and, yeah. and all of that. So that was, you know, kind of interesting, and I don't know where all we've been in the Dakotas there. Just everything around. We, you yeah. know, one trip we'd go one direction, and another time we'd go another direction. We'd yeah. still we'd want to end up. We love South Dakota and yeah. Mount Rushmore and everything. So we try to go different ways to get there. So yeah. we'd see some other things along the way. Did the kids usually appreciate it, or were they kind of getting bored after a while? No, no it's actually it. the, the 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 less commercial, the more they enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, one time we went up there and. We stayed at a Holiday Campground, which was part of Holiday Inn. And uh, they had the Holiday Inn, and then further down the road, they had the Holiday Travel Park. And we used to stay there. Well, we pulled in there one time, and they changed owners. And the new owner was a ex-retired a Marine Corps major, a woman. Mm -hmm. And we hit it off 
pretty much right off the bat. So I went up and I told her, I says, we'd like to take a, you know, take a side road someplace and kind of get off the beaten path. And she says, well, I'm kind of new here, she says, but we've got some maps in there. So we went to the office and looked, and here she pulls out this map that you could get on the road almost right out of the campground, and you go all the way up into Wyoming. Well, I thought that was kind of neat. So I think we had station wagon at the time. So we had a, a, a milk jug full of water. You made some sandwiches, peanut butter sandwiches, was it? I don't know what kind, probably. Yeah, we didn't have a whole lot because we didn't expect to be gone that long. But anyway, we got on this road and we're going down the road. And there were some spots where it was washed out. So I'd get out and I'd roll boulders and stuff into these so we could get across, or I'd back up and we'd take off and go flying across these these things. And finally we got to where on both sides it was sheer cliffs. And I thought to myself, man, we can't even turn around back up. There's no place to, to, to turn around. Yeah. So we got to a certain point. Well, also in Rapid City they had a guy that uh, was on a CB and we think that he worked for the Chamber of Commerce, but we're not sure. But this guy knew that whole area like the back of his hand. And you get on the CB, if you got lost, he'd tell you exactly where to go and what to do and everything else. But down in this valley, there was no reception. And once in a while, you'd pick up something and then it would just shut off. So we're going along and trying to figure out, I, I knew what direction I wanted to go in, but I, I just didn't know where we were. Yeah. So all of a sudden we heard this beep, 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 beep. And it was like one of these cartoons. Look around and all of a sudden I look up and here's a Jeep sitting up here on the top of this, this hill. Yeah. And it looked like a young girl driving it and a couple of small kids in there. So anyway, we pulled up and stopped, and I got out, and she hollered. She says, uh, I'm lost. And I said, well, so are we. <laughs> she says, can I travel with you? And I said, sure, if you can get down here. Well, man, that Jeep was going down the, the hill. I thought it was going to start to tumble. Well, she got all the way down, and she says, these are my cousins. And she says, my dad has a, a ranch in Wyoming, and she says, uh, I don't know how I did it, but I got lost. So she says, can we travel with you? And I said, no. I said, by, by all means, I'm thinking of these kids, you know, you can't turn your back on them. So we're going along and all of a sudden everything started to open up and here's this great big prairie. Well, we stopped and I'm listening and I can hear trucks going down and it was, what, 94? 90 or 94 up there. So I told her, I said, I think the interstate's right up here. And she says, is that what you were looking for? And I said, that's the direction I was trying to keep going because I figured eventually we're going to hit it. Yeah. So we drove up and of course they got this big fence down the side and she goes in the back of this Jeep and comes up with some wire cutters. <laughs> and she says, you're going to go that way, right? And I said, yeah, back to Rapid City. And she said, well, i got to go that way to my dad's uh, ranch. And I said, well, 
there's not enough wire here to cut and splice it back together. She says, that's all right. She says, my dad will be out here in the morning and uh, he'll splice it back together because they figure that's open range and they'll let their cattle right. just roam. Yeah. So the fences you know, keep them from getting on the highways and yeah. stuff. So I went up to one of the posts and I, I tried to be careful cutting the wire so that if I had to, I could just hook it enough to keep it. Mm-hmm. So we tied something on the on the wire, I, I, a rag or something, and I hooked it, but it looked like it was one piece, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, she took her cousins and they went one way and we got on the interstate and went the other way. Then we found out that that was a river that had been washed out uh, several years earlier, and that's where all uh, the the washed out spots were. That it, it, it actually just cut through there and tried to drain, and it was all rock, and nobody knew it. Nobody even knew that it was that bad. Huh. And then the same trip, we going down the road and we saw this this uh, uh, log cabin and it was actually a log cabin house sitting up off the road so we drove back in there and it's got uh, it had a barn and I think a garage didn't it but it had a wraparound uh, porch and it was all made out of logs so we pulled up in there opened the gate and pulled up in there and we're kind of looking around and all of a sudden it turned around here's a big cloud of dust and here comes some guy in a pickup truck and he, he was an older guy but he looked like he was meaner than hell <laughs> he jumps out what are you doing here what are you doing here i said we're looking at this i said there's a sale sign out front yeah but you shouldn't be in here and i don't know he went on and finally i i told him i said uh we're maybe looking for a second home, a vacation home or something. Well, you don't want this place. He says, you don't want this place. I said, why not? He said, this was just built. And that same flood they had there that wiped out that road, wiped out the the house that was there and the barn and the, the livestock and everything, the people in the house. And I think he said some of them, they never found them. Oh, and this is a year or two later. So he said the insurance paid for the uh, rebuilding of the house, but he says uh, no local will buy this because they're afraid that it could happen again. So anyway, we got on a talking basis, and I don't know what he thought we were going to break in or what, but anyway, uh, it was a beautiful home. You could look in the windows, and the inside was all... You know, uh, um, pine like the outside. Oh, it was, it was really nice. And we go out to Custer Park where they had the buffalo and everything. Yeah. Well, he did, wasn't going to pay a guy to take us around. Yeah. He's going to find his own way. So he'd watch where the guys would take the other people around. <laughs> they had <laughs> jeeps out there, and yeah. the jeeps would the they'd, they'd hire the jeeps to to take them out while we sat. Kind of, and we in the van we had was kind of dark brown, color of a buffalo. Blended <laughs> <laughs> right in. So every time a jeep would leave, I'd pull out to follow it, and this guy would know that we're trying to follow him. So right. he, and it's set up. The park is set up so it's a big circle, 
and then a road going this way and a road going this way. It was cut into like a pie. And you could get up in there and there were little traffic lanes and stuff that you could get on too. So finally we let this, this one Jeep get out and we sat there and sat there and sat there until he disappeared. Well, I had an idea where he was going. So we pulled out and we took off and we got up to one of these, these turnoffs and I went up at the turnoff and we come across the crest of the hill. So where did we go? Right into the hole, the main herd of buffalo. And these things will, they'll take a van and grind it up into, they'll take a bus and make mincemeat out of it. So anyway, we pulled up and kids are getting scared. Donna crawled, I think, underneath. Huh? They're, hiding. <laughs> They're hiding underneath the seats and everything else. And we just sat there in the buffalo, you know, they graze as they, they move. Mm -hmm. So they eat and they just keep right on going. Well, it wasn't long before they they took off. And we but that sitting. wasn't good enough. He had to get out of the van and get some pictures. <laughs> well, have you seen the, the movie, How the West Was Won? Mm -mm. You never saw that? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. It's I know Jimmy Stewart is in that. Uh, Debbie what, um, Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds is in there. I can't even with them now, but There's a bunch of them, and it, it's it's like a two-hour or three-hour show. But anyway, in They've one made new ones, but it's not the original sure. ones. Sure. But they they had um, uh, a fort, and actually built a fort out there. And of course, when they got through with the movie, they had to restore everything back to its original. Well, they left one of the, and what do they call them? Uh, the, it's not a parapet, it's, it's a corner of the fort. They left it sit there. And that was just like a, a landmark of where this, this film was made. So there's a couple of buffalo out there. and. I was real careful, you know, you, you don't just go charging up, you just real slow, and if he's got his head turned the other way, you're okay. If he looks at you, you stop. So we went up there, and the oldest one, Wayne, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. We walked out, we were taking pictures, and she's going goofy. <laughs> so we got some nice pictures of the buffalo, and we just slowly turned around, it, yeah. and came back, but there was no upsetting the, the animals or anything else. We didn't. We had, then you go through there, and you'd have donkeys sticking their heads in the windows, oh, looking well, they for have food. The original, or they have uh, um, offspring of the original donkeys that were taken out there, the gold miners took them out there. And when they couldn't get gold or anything, what are they going to do with these donkeys? They let them go. Yeah. So these things turn half wild. But if you're on one of these, these uh, uh, roads, the donkeys are around and you keep your window rolled down, they come up and stick their head right in there looking for something <laughs> to eat. And of course people will feed them marshmallows and crackers and all this other stuff. Yeah. And after the food runs out, they back out and they go to the next car. <laughs> you know, they're they're just uh, they're beggars. But uh, the kids got a big kick out of that too. Is is. Uh... And then Sedona, he took one of the back ways into Sedona, and nobody <laughs> would go back there. I mean, it it was really steep on each side, and we didn't know where we were going. Somebody said. Take this way, it's a beautiful way to go. She into used to Arizona. sell Mary Kay. Mm. 
So each of the kids, as they graduated from high school, we told them we'll take them anywhere in the United States they'd like to go. Well, Wendy wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. So we went to the Grand Canyon, and we went to the the west side where the, the sun was going down, and usually you get beautiful pictures. Well, we went there and we sat and we sat and sat and all of a sudden here come the black clouds flying ah. over. Well, there's a woman with her husband sitting there and she's got one of these Mary Kay tote bags. Tote bags. Well, she wanted to meet this girl because she sold the Mary Kay. So she goes up and they started talking. And this couple originally was from Indiana someplace. So they moved to Portland and he does photography for... Uh, calendars and wildlife and all kinds of stuff. Well, they struck up a conversation and we were talking about the scenery and this guy says, well, he says, "Uh, you go over to Sedona and he says, you go over to the canyon over there, but he says, you go down Route 10 and he said, there's an entrance off of Route 10, but he says, you got to really look for it because if you don't, you'll sail right past. And he says, you'll never know it's there. It looked like someone's property. Yeah. Like uh, their yard. Yeah. Maybe just a gr- uh, dirt driveway yeah. going through. And it's, it's got two ruts, you know, for two. So we got this big van, you know. We pull in there in the morning, and we started going down the hill. And some places you look over and you watch your tires so they don't go over the edge. Oh, jeez. So we, we go all the way down, we got all the way down into the, the bottom of, of Sedona, and there's a spot where all of a sudden these two ruts, ruts turn into blacktop. And we see jeeps coming up the blacktop, and they turn around and they go back down again. Oh, we went from up there all the way down, and they, they're looking at us like, where'd you come from? You know. But we made it all the way down, and then we stopped at a... At a uh, jewelry store. It was a little town. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the town of Sedona, but it yeah. was the outskirts. Yeah. And there's a river there. And I took Matt, and we're sitting outside on a bench, and she and the rest of them went inside to look at the jewelry, and all of a sudden, a couple of these, they looked like Nick coming down here Weirdos. with long hair. Weirdos. <laughs> and he had the overhauls, and she did too. They were and hippies. Huh? They were hippies left over from the the, the, the 60s. Yeah. And this is what, in the 90s sometime, right? It's got to yes, be. Yeah. in the 90s. Okay. Well, they're coming down to the river. They go underneath the bridge, uh, underneath the bridge and they take their bath. Oh. <coughs> and this woman, she might as well not have had anything on. I mean, you could see they go down and get undressed and they got a bar of soap or whatever and they're, they're taking their bath. The owner of this jewelry store comes pulling in, <coughs> and I can't remember the remarks that she made, but she said that this happens quite frequently. She said these are the holdouts that live up in the mountains, and it's warm up there, and, and she's, I don't really think she said where they got their food or, or what, but she said they come down once a month or once a week, whatever, and get their baths. and. And they go back up again, and we're sitting there, and I'm, I'm looking at Matt, and his eyes were like this, you know. <laughs> but uh, we made it down through that <laughs> too, didn't we? 
I remember you told me a story once about, uh, you were talking about CBs, that you were on the road and uh, some, some trucks were trying to... Oh, that was bad. That was... We were, we were down in, in Florida and um, took the kids to uh, Disney. And then we're, we came back up to Savannah because she had a cousin living there and her cousin's husband was a fireman on the Air Force base there. Well, anyway, we went over for dinner and I don't know, did we spend the night someplace before we left? And we did, didn't we? And the next morning we got up early and we started heading across Georgia. I can't think of the, the interstate we were on. But uh, we're moving along, you know, not bothering anybody, and we weren't going too fast or too slow. And all of a sudden, a couple of trucks, semis come up, and one pulls around us and gets in front of us, another one comes alongside of us, and another one gets up behind us. And they were on the CB, and they were making some remarks. I don't even remember what they were, but it wasn't nice. And all of a sudden, they put the squeeze on us. And these ditches off the side of this interstate, I mean, you could put a car down in there and never even know it was there. So they're pushing us off, and, and we're pulling a, a, a travel trailer. All of a sudden, some guy comes on. He says, hey, you guys, leave him alone. He's not the one. And I remember that. And with that, they, they kind of broke away from us. And the guy that was uh, alongside of us that was pushing us into the ditch, we got the number off the truck. And I got on the CB and I told him, I says, I'm going to the PUC. And I says, I've got your number. I says, I'm reporting you. And I says, I, I'm a shipper. And I says, I guarantee you, you'll never drive again as long as you live. Oh, mister, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. He's begging me. He says, the next restaurant, he says, we come to, he says, you pull off. He says, I'll, I'll buy you, your family, you and your family steak dinners. I said, a lot of good the steak dinners are going are to do us if we're dead. Yeah. And I said, I got my whole family in here. I don't know how many, I guess we had everybody then. And he just begged and begged and begged. So finally, um, I told him, no, I said, I'm reporting you, that's it. Oh boy, he took off like the Lone Ranger, you know, Ohio silver and a cloud of dust and whatever. So this guy that called him off, uh, he's hauling a load of uh, lettuce out of Florida, and he's got to go up to Minneapolis. So he told me uh, that somewhere in Georgia, a, a guy in a van got into it with a guy in a truck, and the guy in a van pulled a gun and started taking shots at at the, the driver and the, 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 the truck. And it was about the time when truckers weren't the white knights of the road anymore. They were converting over to, you know, the henchmen. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, with the CBs, this word gets out, and I mean, it travels like fire. Mm -hmm. Everybody around there knew about it, and these three guys thought we were it. So anyway, this guy says to me, he says, well, he says, I'm on my, he says, where are you going? And I said, southwest of Chicago. And he said, well, I got to go up to Minneapolis. He said, if you want to follow me, he said, uh, we'll make sure that nobody bothers you. <clears throat> I said, okay, I'll follow you. Well, I couldn't keep up with that sucker. I mean, he must have been doing 100 miles an hour. And 
I mean, everything we had was shaking. <laughs> so finally, I, I got back to him. I told him, I said, I can't keep up with you. I said, you go ahead. So he wished me good luck, and he took off. And Then we got a little further up the road, and a shell oil tank truck comes up behind us, and he went around us, and I asked him if they wanted to pull over some place and spend the night or drive all straight through. Well, go ahead, Dan. Let's drive straight through. We'll, we'll stay up with you. Next thing I look, and they're all sound asleep. <laughs> and they're just, just out. So it was this shell driver and me, and we pulled into a rest area and got out and went in and came back out. And He said, uh, I don't remember where it was, but he said, i got to have this load at a certain time. Uh, in the morning, he said, "Got to have it delivered." And I said, "Well, you go ahead and take off." I said, "I, I can't, I can't keep up." And in the north, I mean, it was lightning. It the, the sky just lit up. I mean, it was just like daylight almost, you know. With the, and you could hear the rumbling off in the distance. Well, he took off, and then I left, and we got up. It hadn't rained yet, but we got up to a certain point, and here's lights going and they were state troopers and they pulled me over and they said we got an accident up there he said in this lane but he says if you think you can make it across the medium he said my buddy's on the other side and he'll escort you up past the accident and I looked down and there was a lot of water in this this ditch you know I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it through there and up so first thing I asked him, I said, you got a tow truck if, if I don't make it, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, he says, we'll get you we'll get you taken care of. He says, but you may have to sit here for hours. So I said, well, I'll give it a shot. So I cranked it up and went down in the ditch and come up the other side. And sure enough, the trooper on the other side, he escorted us up past this, this bridge. Who hit the bridge? The shell truck. The guy I was traveling with, he hit it broadside and it exploded, killed him. And uh, the guy that escorted us past, he said, uh, we're not even sure who this guy is. He said, there's not much left, he said, to identify. So anyway, I drove straight through and we got home. Boy, I pulled in the driveway and I think I collapsed in the driveway and they're all... <laughs> I don't know how he ever stayed away. Yeah. yeah, especially, I mean, one of those experiences is bad enough, and then to have Two both of them, them yeah, on the, the one night, trip. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You yeah. can tell him how you drove through the penitentiary. Oh, oh man. <laughs> we, there's, a, there's more. <laughs> we lived in New Jersey, and uh, after we, we left here, she bought me a, a, an M1 carbine that I carried in the, the military, and I always want to go deer hunting up here. Well, this is a, it's a 30 caliber, it's not really a powerful, you know, but it's, it's sufficient for deer. And then uh, I had some pistols, and I forget how many rounds of ammunition I had. And then, you know, at work, everybody's at Christmas time, they come in and give you a bottle. Well, we don't drink. And all we did was store it up. So we thought we'd take it back and give it to my brothers or whoever wanted it. So we had the station wagon at the time, so 
I laid everything out in the, the back of the wagon in case we got pulled over, it wasn't concealed. Mm -hmm. And I put the ammunition, I forget, underneath the, in the wheel well or someplace. But anyway, we, we went through New Jersey and we got up north and we went through the Delaware River Gap, which goes from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. And boy, did we hit the fog. I mean, it was so thick you could have cut it with a knife. I mean, I, I could barely watch the road to, to, to keep the car on the road. Pretty soon a trucker comes up and he says, uh, he says, man, he says, I'm having a hell of a time. I said, yeah, me too. He said, why don't we take turns? And he says, uh, I'll follow you for a while. And then he said, we'll switch places and then you follow me. And I said, as long as you don't make any quick stops. Yeah. I says, because I'll have your taillights between my teeth. And uh, so we, we went for quite a ways. And this interstate, they were working on it. I don't know if they were building it or what. I, I can't remember. But uh, anyway, somewhere along the line, I lost a guy. And I couldn't even raise him on the CB. And I told Nance at that time, I said, yeah, I'm going to take the next main road that I find and go south. Because mm -hmm. we were going west. I figured I'd go south, pick up something else, and maybe get out of the fog. So I turned south, and we're going along, and all of a sudden the, the, the fog started to break up a little bit. I told her, I said, well, maybe the next road going west, I better take it. So I did. We're going down this road, and... I swear they took uh, a tape measure for every tree was exactly the same distance from the previous one. And, and they were balled up just like somebody went and pulled leaves off, you know, that nothing was out. Too perfect. So, huh? yeah. Too perfect. It was yeah. perfect. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden we get up to a, a big turnaround and here's a great big sign up there. It's illegal. All violators will be prosecuted to bring firearms, ammunition, explosives, liquor, and everything we have in the car. And, and violators will be prosecuted to the extent. I saw that. We went around the circle. I mean, the prison wall was right there, you know, and the, 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 the little uh, place you walk in, you know, and then they had another gate where buses or whatever could yeah. go in there. Well, we started pulling out, and as we were pulling out, they were changing shifts, the guards. They were coming in all these green vehicles, and they're all looking at us as we're going past, and I couldn't wait to get out of there because I was afraid somebody's going to see all that stuff in the back yeah, of the car. Yeah, laid out there perfectly. Oh, yeah. nice, just in case. So we did. We made it out of there, but, man, I don't know how we did it. We had the two children at the time, and... The older one was like two, and we thought, oh, it'd be so smart if we just drove at night and let them sleep, and yeah. there's no, you know, so that was our idea, and that's what we ended up with, and that, no more. That never, was, again. never again. Never <laughs> again. Lesson learned. The exactly. only federal prison around there, we had to drive right up to the front door. <laughs> Man, my life. Anyway, we 
we we did some dumb things. I did, <laughs> did and I was the one that was driving. It was you made it through all right. Yeah. They probably would never have believed us. <laughs> <laughs> They've thrown us all in jail, including the kids. Yeah, yeah it's too bizarre that, that yeah. we would have just pulled in there like that. Yeah, oh, that's funny. Well, unfortunately, we got to get going. I have to get back for rehearsal. Rehearsal? Yeah, I got rehearsal tonight. Well, you do it here. We'll tell them. Tell them <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll record it and I'll send yeah, it. Send it in. I don't know how you do that, memorizing. Oh. Yeah, it's tough. Well, I've got about half of it memorized, but it's it's a lot. Yeah. But thank you very much for Oh, hey, we, we enjoyed you being here. We'd, we'd love to see you more often. And I'm not kidding you when we talk about you. Uh, uh, and, and your your cards, your Christmas yeah. cards. We get the biggest kick. You're that. just perfect for Nick. You yeah, really yeah. We, we think that. We, we, do, we say that all the time. <laughs> and he's he's been like a son to us. Really, uh, uh, we really to felt him. close to him. Well, thank you. I love you guys. I really appreciate you talking to me and letting me oh, record. Oh, this is nothing. Yeah, here. I know. But this We're, is great. Thank you very much. Come back anytime. We definitely will.